Hello everybody, it's Julie with Hepzibah Talks A Lot, and I'm going to do a couple of segments today, probably, maybe not, I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> I always start out ambitious, and then I change my mind. But I, I'm going to just briefly talk about a post on Facebook today, and it said, Do you ever think God sees his starving children? How long do you think he will listen to their cries? Um... And some people said, how long do you think it'll take for God's other children to help? Um, it's not my place to question God's grace. Do you think God is pleased with us? Um, sorry, with us. I don't know why I have to tea. The test is for man to see them and help his brothers and sisters. This is a fallen world run by fallen humans with free choice. It's, it's only by God's love and grace that he even gave us Christ as a sacrifice. So we can again have a personal relationship with our Father in heaven. The bad stuff that happens isn't God's doing or his choice. Uh, we choice against God from the very beginning. He didn't have to love us or give us redemption. I don't know how that answers that question. And then, uh, yep, he does. I think if they seek his kingdom first and his righteousness and other things will be added unto them, including food provisions. All right. Pray for it to stop every day. I'm listening. And then someone shared the Matthew West song, Do Something. 100% true. I'm going to like that because that's 100% accurate. All right, so, dude, I swear, they keep honking their horns outside my, my room. And I'm like, we, you probably didn't even hear it. But I'm like, you're in a residential area and they like lay on the horn. I'm like, you're surrounded by apartments. Do you not think in your brain that that's annoying to people? But anyway, moving on. Because, of course, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> so, you're probably not even hearing it. It's driving me crazy, though. All right, so my response was, we are his hands and feet. The real question is when we hear their cries, how will we respond? Will we sit back and ask, where is God? Or will we take action and do as Christ said and feed, clothe, and help? And then a person responded and said, that's what I'm wondering. What have Christian churches been doing for thousands of years? And then I said, countless churches around the world help. Guys, this is the thing, okay? This is kind of like, this is a baby with the bathwater thing, all right? I'll get into that later. Let me just keep going. Countless churches around the world help. Many Christian and non-Christian organizations help. However, we are his hands and feet. If we are sitting back hearing their cries and asking, where is God? Where is the church? We can answer our own question, sitting back waiting for someone else to do something. Many Christians refuse to give offerings or tithe in their church. How can a church give if they have nothing to work with? Even Jesus had the disciples gather what food they could so it could be multiplied to feed the masses. So at the barest minimum and most basic level, we need to financially give to our churches in tithes and offerings. But this isn't all. We need to be his hands and feet whenever and wherever we see a need we can meet and provide. The church takes the brunt of the blame, but aren't we the church? One must wonder. And then he said, you are correct. When the church becomes a building, it becomes a business. Even Christ flipped over the tables. But yes, tithing is important, but also know that there are other ways of tithing than money. The church building, I mean, organized religion. I do understand the difference between the church building and the people. The people. And I said, God himself designed the tabernacle and temple. God declared he should have a building. However, if we come to a place where we can only have church and be the church in a building, then there is an issue. Jesus chased out the sellers, the sellers out of the temple because they were making money off the people of God, selling imperfect sacrifice animals, price gouging, and the like. It wasn't because of people being in the temple. It was because they were dishonest thieves and they were taking advantage of people coming to worship God. And then... 
someone said, right on. And then he asked me, do you think preachers are selling hope? So I said, I believe there are definitely false doctrines, preachers and teachers out there. One must study God's word for themselves and see dis and use discernment. Regardless, we are his hands and feet. Each person must move with compassion and help when and where they can. And if one's church doesn't have a ministry to help the needy within and outside its walls, one must seek the Lord and create one. There are desperate people on both sides of the doors. How am I answering their cries for help? Okay, so, okay, baby with the bathwater. This is a big, this is a big deal to me because, guys, I've been hurt by Christians too. I have been devastated. I've shared it a little bit in some of my previous podcasts. I don't go into details because anytime I try to, God's like, okay, you got that out of your system. Delete it. It doesn't need to go out into the world. It's not for public consumption. I was literally demolished to the point that I was obliterated. Um, the Julie that existed pre-2010 does not exist. She was slaughtered by Christians. Uh... I, I keep saying she's locked away in a cage, but she might be dead. She might fully be full-blown dead because it's been 10 years. I've gone through healing. I've, um, God and I have addressed things and I've moved beyond and I'm no longer angry and I, I no longer cry at the thought of it and I no longer get pissed off like I used to. I've definitely moved beyond the pain. Um, any judgment that may have been on their lives for what they did is gone, uh, it still shocks me to my core that things like this happened in my life and I was this devastated. Uh, but it's given me empathy and I can understand people now that, you know, are treated like this and it's foolish and it's selfish and it's demonic and that's, that's life. So I could sit here and I could blame every church and become anti-Christian, become anti-organized religion, become anti-church, become anti-everything because of the pain of a small group of people that caused me. And I do not belittle this pain. Anybody that knows me and knows what I went through, which is basically my mother because I did not share it. God wanted this to be kept um, close to the vest. And there's obvious reasons for that. Um, so only people that really deeply and truly knew me at the time uh, would know how this devastated me and destroyed me and literally killed the Julie that once existed. Um, she's dead. I, I, there's no cage. I keep saying she's in a cage that I could set her free. Um, I, I don't feel her there anymore. I don't, I don't think she exists. And if she does, maybe she's been bound and gagged and tied up so tightly that she's just... It's going to take a divine interaction from Christ for, for her to be free if she does exist. Um, if she's dead, then God's going to have to resurrect her. And I'm not being sacrilegious and I'm not being facetious and I'm not joking. Um, I liked who I was guys. Like I had flaws. I get it. Like I had things I had to work through, but I was a much happier person. I was much more entertaining. I could actually enjoy things. I could let loose and have fun. I had a childlike heart. I was very innocent. Um, not like I didn't have sin and I didn't do stupid choices and I didn't have attitudes. I was definitely, um, held on by a spirit of anger for a lot of my life. And God's slowly getting me out of that uh, bad habit of anger. Um, but I was a much happier person in spite of all of that. And I could just let loose and I could let people into my life. And I, I, could, I could face rejection and just get up and dust myself off and move on. And I could make new friends and I could keep friends. And I could run through fields of, of grace and dance and laugh and have fun. And that person does not exist right now. She is shattered and... Like I said, probably dead. 
or if not very thoroughly beaten and bound and tied up and gagged and tossed into the deepest, darkest pit of my subconscious. I can't tell you. I just know that I have been demolished by Christians. However, I am still a Christian. I still believe there are good pastors out there. I believe there are very good and loving Christians out there. And why? Because God pulled me out of a very liberalist, liberal, liberal, legalistic church. They were far from liberal. A very legalistic, abusive, pharisaical church and put me in a church that was full of grace, mercy, love, compassion, kindness, all while still following the Word of God. It is possible to be compassionate, loving, empathetic, kind while following God's Word. You don't have to hit me to get me to listen. Um, so um, that church unfortunately took a dive when the pastor answered God's call to do Rural America Matters out in Wyoming. And eventually he went home to be with the Lord. And I miss Pastor Carl Bauman to the very core of my soul. I would love to be able to... I'm sorry, I'm tearing up about this. <laughs> I really do miss him. I would love to be able to reach out to him. Like, even this last year would have been great to be able to write Pastor Carl. And just be like, oh, here's what's going on. Because he was... He was like what a father should be. He could teach me... And guys, I didn't even have that close of a relationship with Pastor Carl. But he could teach me God's word, but still show me that he loves me. He could bring correction and do it with love. It is such a fine balance. And if you find a pastor that can do that, cling to that pastor. As long as he's solid on the word of God and he's not compromising in sin. Um, because sometimes people confuse love as, as allowing and accepting sin. That's not what love is. Um, because if, you're, if your child is going to run into the street and get killed... Is it love to let them do it? No. So, same thing with sin. If this is going to damage your life, is it love to let people do it? No. Anyway, moving on. Um, so, I think maybe because I got pulled out of this legalistic, abusive situation and placed in a place of love and compassion and kindness, I was able to heal to the place that I don't hate all Christians and throw the baby out with the bathwater. Guys, this is the same thing we're seeing with these police departments where people want to get rid of the police. It's the same thing. And I'll tell you why. Because you're taking the, the few bad that exist because it doesn't matter. Every corporation, every business, every religion, everything has the few bad that exist. And to, to, to classify an entire group because of a few bad apples is, is foolish. It's foolish. Consider your own family. Are there people in your family that give your family a bad name? That that you're just like, oh, dude, why? Why are you like this? Why are you so racist? Why are you so angry? Why are you so, you know, liberal? Why are you so conservative? Whatever, you know, because we all have our little button-pushing situations. So think about that. Like, is your whole family a horrible family just because, like, one person is a horrible person? No. And this is all, you know, based on your opinions and your objections and your your thoughts. But it is totally true that Christians can be jerks. Uh, Christians can be hypocrites, but not all Christians are hypocrites. Christians can be like that. They can be false. They can be selling lies. They could be catering to um, liberal cultural acceptances instead of following God's word because they feel like that's what they need to do in order to be popular. But the thing is, the church is not supposed to be popular. I think people have forgotten this. As a pastor, you're not supposed to be popular. It doesn't matter how many likes you get on Facebook. It doesn't matter how many friends you have. It doesn't matter how many followers you have on Twitter. It's, it's about speaking God's word in love. 
in love. And when you see things like this, when you see dissension and, and people demolishing the church, what are you doing? What are you doing? I can still remember uh, the church I attended before I moved to China. There was dissension coming. Like, there was huge... Like, you could feel the tension. And it was among the leadership. And I remember when our pastor, Pastor Bob, called a meeting. And, I'm, and my mom and I show up and we're like, oh, this is... Because we were so used to just being blamed for freaking everything and, and, and being lectured and being told how crappy we are. I mean, you're just, you get used to it. And even in Christian churches, you get used to it. This is how you're wrong. Fix it. Okay, thanks. Uh, but that's not what he said. Like, he literally wept and apologized to us for failing us. And I'm like, how did you fail us? We have failed you. I don't know where you think you failed us. But that's what he did. He apologized for failing us in his role of leadership when we were the ones causing the problem. Nothing broke my heart more than that. If I had been accused and yelled at, I would have become defensive and eventually God would have dealt with me about the little things I was causing or the little problems I had or the things I was doing. Um, but you cut through the noise when you're humble, man. And, and, and I think that we're in a dangerous place where we're finding this world is just tossing out things because we can. And we're, we're mistreating people because we can. And we're angry because we can be angry. And we're destroying lives because we can. And in all of our society, in all of our world, America is one of the freest countries. And now we're just abusing that freedom. I'm not saying we need to lose it because we definitely don't want to lose our freedom. However, when you abuse social media to the point that you can actually demolish a person's life because they got you got pissed off about a situation that doesn't even directly affect you because you found something in their past and you don't like what they stand for now, so you figure you could drum up their past and that's okay. But if you're going to bring up the past about something else that you actually support, then it's not okay. And we are, we're all hypocrites. I mean, we're going to defend who we want to defend, and we're going to excuse who we want to excuse, and then we're going to slaughter everyone else. And, and, and we just, we are. We're, we're just all hypocrites. And the sooner we admit that, the better off we'll be. And, and before I wrap this part of the segment up, what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a person that is doing something while telling someone not to do it. Okay? Or not doing something while telling someone to do it. So... Let's talk really briefly about tithes and offerings. That is one of the biggest things that American churches, American church goers refuse to do. I'm not giving my money to the man. That's what they say. I'm not about to give my money over. And, and, and it's not, you know, you know, it's, I don't want to give my money to anybody. It's my money. But the thing is with God, he doubles your money, triples your money, quadruples your money. And, and the point is that you can do whatever um, you want with, with your money, but it's limited by what your heart is doing and where your heart is storing it. And, and the thing is with, with tithes and offering, no one's taking my money. No one's going to take my money. I mean, it, it's, it's not your money. It belongs to God. God owns a cattle on 10, on a thousand hills. Like God doesn't need your money. However, your local church does. And I don't, I don't mean that like in a way that God's not going to provide. However, if you want your church to be there for you, if you want your church to be able to do outreaches, if you want your church to make a difference in the community, if you want your church to matter, how do you expect them to do that if they have to, if the pastor has to work another job because he can't take a salary because they need all the money they get to keep the lights on for you? 
I mean, it's, it's, it's common freaking sense. So I would be a hypocrite if I was telling you to tithe and I was not tithing. Um, and, th and there was, there was times when I wasn't tithing, but I could still tell you, honestly, you need to tithe, but I would be just as honest and say, I am not tithing. However, I will tell you that tithing is important. Uh, but once again, I would, I would point blank tell you I'm not tithing. I, I wouldn't lie about it or try to act like I was doing stuff I wasn't. Um, but I digress. Tithes and offerings, giving your money to the Lord through the local church is very important. And while people say, yeah, there are other ways you can tithe, that's kind of a cop-out. And I think that the church is afraid to say that because they want popular opinion. And people are going to storm out of your church if you say, no, you need to tithe. And you need to give offerings because we need your support. Oh, this church wants is my money. No, it doesn't just want your money, but it does need your money because they do have bills. They have to pay rent on the building you're sitting in. They had to pay for the chairs your butt's in. They have to, they had to pay for the carpet. They have to pay for the air conditioning. They have to pay for the heater in the winter. They have to pay for the lights. And heaven for freaking bid, your, your pastor actually gets a decent salary and doesn't have to hold down a second job. And a lot of pastors are proud that they're not taking a salary and they're holding down a second job. I consider that shameful because you want your pastor to be able to devote his life to God's word and to bringing that to you in a way that you can understand so that he can be receptive to God. He can go on missions trips. He can, he can go on outreaches. He can be there in the hospital with people that are sick and dying. He can visit the widow that needs someone to help with the roof. And she, she, he could be there helping build the roof with the other men. But he can't do that. He can't do that if he has to hold down a job and work 40 hours a week and put together sermons and spend time with his family and take care of his own house. How do you expect that to happen? Tithe, people. That's the point. Tithe. It's very important. I don't know why we just don't think about it and we consider it to be like us giving money to a man. I mean, in the trickle-down effect, it goes to the pastor, but it also goes to you. Because I'd like you to see you worship in a church when the police come and say, I'm sorry, you didn't pay your rent the last three months. You guys are evicted out of this building. And what kind of a picture is that? Or where the lights turn off in the middle of a service. Or you can't even use your sound system because you don't have electricity. Or you can't run your heater. You can't run your air conditioner. Or even worse than all of that, when a single mother is in dire need of getting her electric bill paid in the winter to provide for her kids and your church can't even dole out the money for that because they don't have any in their coffers. I'm not talking about these billion-dollar churches that just keep raking in money. Like, honestly, these mega churches, what they should be doing, and I don't know, some might be. I haven't done research on this. They should be filtering it down into their community. It should be like, okay, so this is our budget. This is what we need to live off of without giving our, our pastor an exorbitant income that he does not freaking need. Because a pastor should be paid well, but he should not be totally lavished with money. That's not the point. He should be paid well. He shouldn't be a millionaire through pastoral pay. If he writes books and he sells books and he becomes a millionaire that way, then, you know, all the power to you. At that point, he should not take a wage from the church. The church should not pay him. I, I mean, money is a tricky freaking issue because we all know that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. And we all know this. So if a pastor starts to see that his net worth is really high, like some of these pastors do, like Randy Alcorn saw that his net worth was getting really high and he started to like diversify that and send it back out into the community and, and get, have enough to be comfortable but not to be wealthy. Because I'm not saying that you need to live in poverty. Talk to God. Look at Solomon. God dumped wealth on King Solomon. 
He was the wealthiest and wisest king to ever live, and God just dumped wealth on him. So it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of how your heart is and how you're using that wealth. Okay? I mean, Solomon built the temple, so... I mean, the gold-plated everything in there. But, um, I digress. Point in fact is, we are not accountable for how they use their money, the money. If we find out there's something dishonest going on, we need to call them out on it. And every church should have their books open, and it should be like, look, this is what what this and this and this is. This is where this money's going. Uh, we had this building fund, guys. There's this much left over. Uh, would you like that money put into this center or this area? You don't just pull it and stick it where you want it. You have to ask and vote. It's all about that. It's all about using the money wisely. And a lot of people are afraid to tithe and give because of the handful that have mishandled their money. And mega churches, I think a lot of people don't give to those because they know that the church is rolling. And in my opinion, mega churches shouldn't exist, but that's just me. I don't believe in mega churches. I think that that's just exuberantly boastful and prideful. But I digress again. Um, but anyway, mega churches or, or churches that are doing well, really well should find struggling churches in their community and support them. That's what you should do. Your mission field is where you are. You can you start with your mission field in your community, and then if you have the ability and God calls you and you have the, the funds to do so, you start sending a mission field out. In addition to that, the trickle down, these mega churches should be supporting the darn missionaries in the field. Do you know that most missionaries have to come back every two or three years to raise more money to go back? And by then, all of the work they've done has gone backwards and they have to start pretty much over again. And is that okay for them? No, because then by the time they get to the headway where they're making progress again, they have to come back home again and raise money again. And all of that could be stopped if the really wealthy churches could re would use their money and reach out to the community and to the mission fields and not just as a tax write-off, but to literally say, this is what the church needs to survive and do well. This is what the church needs in, in regards to like having coffers to help our, our congregation, coffers to do like our, our um, oil changes for, for single mothers or for, for the lower income people or just for anybody. I mean, I know we have people take advantage of that, but people find ways around it regardless. Um, but look, we're going to do um, oil changes on Saturday. On Saturdays, it's just going to be for, for single mothers and people with a certain income. And then on Sundays, anything goes first come, first serve. You want your oil change to come out once a month. I mean, if you have the money to do that, do it. But until we start taking the thing to realize that we are the church, we are God's hands and feet, and we need to be answering the needs, not sitting back going, well, does God care? Does God even hear I'm crying? Well, the question is, do you hear them crying? And if so, what are you doing about it? And this goes for even if you're not a Christian, because you can sit there and go, what about those people that no one cares about? Well, you're hearing it. What are you going to do about it? It's so much easier for us to point the finger and say, how are, you, how are they helping when we're sitting right there listening and we could actually help? And I'm going to tell you guys one last thing. This is, bit, this is something that just... Because I'll, I'll give when God tells me to give, not like church-wise, but to like the community and stuff. So like if I'm... If I see homeless people and God's like, go buy them food or give them this money, I never, I rarely ever have cash, guys. So most times I have to go into a store and purchase stuff for them or I buy like a, a McDonald's and that kind of thing for them. And I know that um, some people carry cash and, and that's very beneficial. And then people have the whole debate like, well, if they use it for alcohol, once you answer God, God's moving on your heart and he tells you do this. And once you do it, 
what they do with that is on them. You've you've responded, so that's not an excuse. So don't sit there and go, well, God, I would have given them that money, but but what would they have done with it? And God would have said that wasn't your concern. What your concern is, what were you going to do with it? And you failed to do what I asked you. So that just that's for free. But anyway, so like I'll, like I said, I'll respond when God tells me do this, do that. Um, and I've had a few times when God has straight up rewarded me instantaneously and it's blown my mind. Um, one of my favorite stories is a friend of mine and I were in Albuquerque and we were going to just spend the day and I was, my, my mom at the, and I at this point, we shared a bank account and I, I knew how much money I had inside her bank account and every once in a while I would spend money that wasn't mine because <laughs> I, I was young and, and I was very selfish. But anyway, so um, we were going to go to a movie and stuff and so I was basically treating this friend and uh, we decided to do IHOP. We had gone and bought our movie tickets and um, and we were going to go to IHOP and eat. So we start walking into IHOP, and I can see this like it was yesterday, and it was years ago. And we're walking into IHOP, and I see a homeless man, and I start to bow my head. Because we all know how that is. Like, don't don't look at him. Don't make eye contact. And God's like, don't don't avoid him. Offer him something. And uh, And I was like, what? So I look up, and we walk, and the man's like, do you have any money? And I said, you know, sir, I don't uh, have any cash on me, but you're welcome to come in and eat with us. I don't even think that was me speaking. I think that was Holy Spirit speaking because I don't know where those words came from. My friend looked at me in shock and I probably had the look of shock on my face because those words had come out of my mouth. And he was even a little bit startled. And he said, well, um, maybe I, I won't eat with you, but can I get something to go? I go, yeah, definitely. You can get some, some toast and coffee. And I remember God's like, bread and water, really? That's what you're going to offer this man? And so I tell the guys we're walking toward the doors, just order whatever you want and then I'll pay for it. And he's like, oh, okay, thank you. The, the most amazing thing to me, hap the first most amazing thing to me happened when we walked in those doors. Because it was my friend and I, and we're two women in our 20s, and a homeless man. And you see the host is looking very angrily at this homeless man. But then his face just transformed. Like, it totally changed and I'm sitting there like what just happened because I was ready to duke it out so this guy could get food <laughs> I was a fighter I still am and the man instead his face totally changed and then he goes three <laughs> and, I'm, and my eye stuttered because I was expecting a fight and I'm like uh, 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 no <laughs> I'm like two but he can order whatever he wants and then just put it on my bill and he's like, okay. They hand him a menu, and I turn around and I tell the guy again, whatever you want. Guys, I'm, like I said, sharing a bank account with my mother at this point. Thankfully, this was an honest man. Most, most homeless men are, homeless people are honest. Most of them. They're not dishonest people. Um, they're the most gracious and giving, too. It's crazy. But anyway, so I turn around and I, re I re reiterate, whatever you want, order whatever. And uh, I said, make sure to get something to drink as well. And we go to sit down. The whole time I'm sitting there, we're looking at the menu, and I'm like, my mom's going to kill me. Now, honestly, my mom wouldn't have. When I got home and explained the situation to her, she would have been, which I did tell her, she would have been totally fine. She would have been like, I see what you did. You're, it's fine. Don't even worry about it. It's not, you weren't like, I'm going to go buy myself a jacket and spend money that's, you know, not mine. Whatever. So I'm sitting there, and I wanted to tell my friend, you know, like, sh let's share a plate. Like, I'm literally panicking here. I'm like, I don't know what this man's going to order, and I'm spending money I don't have. I mean, I have, a, I had a set amount for that day. I'm not saying I was just, I was spending my mom's money the whole time. But if I went over 
I have my little set amount. And I'm looking at her and I'm panicking. And I could just hear God saying, don't say that. Don't tell her that. Just order whatever. Just do what you got to do. So she orders whatever she wants. I ordered the fruit Belgian waffle because the two things I get at IHOP are either the strawberry Belgian waffle or the chocolate chip pancakes. Those are my, my go-tos. But I'm still sitting there and the whole time, and we're talking about it, I see him walk. I see through the window. I see the homeless man walking off with his bag of food and his cup of coffee or maybe orange juice. I think he did get coffee. And I was so happy. I'm like, this is perfect. This is great. And when the waitress came over, I asked her what he ordered. And he ordered like the big breakfast. It had the eggs, the bacon, the, the toast. It was a very good breakfast. I was like, this is awesome. I'm, I feel so good. But I'm sitting here going, I'm going to reap these repercussions pretty quick. This is not going to end well. Um, and at the end of our meal, though they come and they tell us that a father and a teenage son had paid our ticket. They paid for my friend's meal, they paid for my meal, and they paid for the homeless man's meal. So if anything, I mean, it still blows my mind to this day that, that, that God was that fast. I mean, he's always, he's always going to repay you. You just, you may not notice it or you may not tie it to you, the event of doing good and serving him because it is, most times it's not instantaneous except for the feel goods you get and the, the happiness it brings. But he's always going to pay you back. He's always going to repay your kindness and your, and your generosity. Always. It's, you know, it, it says in the Bible that what you give, he will return to you pressed down, shaken together and running over. So, you know, Give. Don't be, don't hold on to your money. God can do more with the 90% than you can with the 100%. Trust me. Trust me. I mean, I find myself in some situations, like I'm in a situation right now where I'm like, this sucks. Like, I'm not happy. And I know it's my fault and I'm not like blaming anybody else. However, I'm sitting here like, well, I can address that this is my fault, but I know it's going to be okay. Like, I know God's going to help me out. Um, everything's going to be fine. It just sucks to be in the situation. Yeah. But life is what it is, and we make our choices, and we live with them, and we do what we got to do. So at the beginning of this year, God called me back to tithing, and I actually give to a church here in China because I asked God, should I give to my home church, or should I give to the church that has the small group I've attended, um, that I attended a service of, should I give to that church? He's like, give to that church. So that's who I'm tithing to. I'm tithing, I'm tithing to a church here in China, and including this month, I told God, can I just not tithe, and can I just bless somebody? instead and he's like uh how about if you tithe and then if you're given an opportunity to bless someone you do the same thing you do that too why does it have to be one or the other so i did i tithed it, it takes a while to get back to the cheerful place of t giving guys so don't give up if you start tithing and you feel resistance don't give up just keep going and eventually you'll be back to the where it's a joy to give because it should be because we're supporting what god is doing and one last thing um this is probably going to be an hour-long podcast i didn't expect that but once again like i said i make promises and <laughs> things happen but the other time was when there was an event and I couldn't afford to go to it and I was blessed with a gift of the money to be able to go and uh, I was told not to say where it came from or even to mention it um, I willingly agreed to that and never did anything and when everything was said and done the night before I literally had like $15 $20 and, and we had to bring some stuff to this event to, like, make for breakfast and stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm going to bring stuff to make pancakes. That's, like, the cheapest thing you can buy, right? So I'm going to go buy pancake mix and blah, 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 blah. 
So I'm, I'm going into Walmart. I am not lying to you guys. This is literally the day that I was able to, that it was paid. I knew I was going the next day. I was just setting stuff up. And I look over as I'm walking in the parking lot of Walmart, and there's literally a wad of bills on the ground. I am not lying to you. I am straight up honest as a day is long. And I look down, and I'm like, there's a wad of bills on the floor. And I look, because it's lying in the middle of a parking space with no cars on either side. It's just a wad of cash. And I, I pick it up, and my first thought is, I don't have to like budget now to buy stuff for this trip. I can just go in there and get what I need. I'm like, this is so cool. Now, the outside bill was a 20. I don't know what anything else was. I didn't count the money. I would have counted it when I got inside. I was just walking in. And I'm looking around like, look at this. God literally made money fall from heaven, right? But when I get to the doors, there's a homeless teenager outside the doors. And I'm like, and I hear God like, okay. So I provided for you. What are you going to do? And I literally, without counting it, I didn't peel a bill off. I literally handed that stack over to that teenager. And I said, he's probably a young adult. He's probably like 19, 20. I call him a teenager because I was 30-something at the time. And everyone looks like a kid at that point. And I hand it to the, the guy. And I'm like, here you go. I told him, I literally just found this in the parking lot. Like, I didn't even try to take, like, Look at me pulling out my money like some really great person. I didn't even go there. I was just like, I literally just found this in the parking lot. I don't know how much is there, but God bless you and here you go. And then I walked in the store and used my $15, $20 to buy the pancake stuff I needed. Guys, I got to tell you, um, it's, it's all about your heart. It's all about your heart. And, as, and if I'm sitting here and you're sitting here and you're saying like, when is God going to answer the needs of the community? That question is, when are you going to answer the needs of your community? When is, when is our church going to start to grow? When are you going to start investing in the future of your church? I mean, it's, it's actually pretty darn simple. We just refuse to apply it to ourselves. So there you go. Um, and my second segment is not going to be uh, I don't know what it's going to be. I was going to talk about something, but I might just give this a rest and do another segment later, or I may not do a segment. So if there's a segment after this, I felt moved to do a, a second segment. And if there isn't, then this was a way shorter podcast than it would have been. Otherwise, <laughs> you can email me at htal.podcast at gmail.com.